Welcome, listeners. We are Bicoastal Besties bonding over wine and mysteries. This is Wine Time Mysteries, and I'm M.M. I'm Katie. And uh, today we're talking about episode three of the Unsolved Mysteries reboot, which is House of Terror, um, also known as the, the French episode. We will <laughs> Let do me our tell best. you a really funny story about the first time that I watched this, Katie, not for these purposes, but just on my own. And I was looking forward to a night of wine and mysteries and painting my nails. And so I hit play on episode three and everything was in French. And you know what I realized? You can't really do your nails and also read the subtitles at the same time. So I was glad I rewatched it. And this time I did my nails before the show nice, started, nice. which hashtag not a sponsor, hashtag Olive in June has become my new obsession during our quarantine COVID times. I love them. So as you see this lovely shade, that's RP. Is it a nice fall shade? Gray, but not too dark. I like it. Um, I am on the other spectrum of fall shade of this I is saw. Halloween. This is Halloween and it's neon orange. It's great. Well, I was going to save my orange for next week. I, a spooky season for me starts, you know, 10-1. Um, Love it. So, yes. Yeah, so my, uh, my high school French did not allow me to be able to take notes very easily either. So I was definitely very start-stop with this to make sure I didn't miss anything in the subtitles. Um, Although anytime I recognized words, I was like, good job, high school French. There were were a few times where I was listening and reading the subtitles and I said to myself, that's not what they said. (gasps) So I was a little proud of myself. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. Almost as proud of myself as the last time that I was in Paris because Super Husband has some family there and cousins that live in Paris. And we were on the metro in Paris and a very French woman came up and asked me for directions to Disneyland Paris. So I obviously, even if I cannot speak the part, perhaps I look the part. I don't know. I was proud of myself. Getting asked for directions by by a local is like. Were Were you wearing? I've made one it. of your many signature striped shirts. <laughs> I I may have been wearing a striped shirt and I may have been wearing a scarf. So in which case, I check most categories. I feel especially after I watched our our new badass friend, the journalist in this documentary, who wore her fair share of scarves, and I think I love her. Yes, and An- Sophie Martin. Martine, whose name I definitely missed, of course, because this is what I do, listeners, if you haven't noticed. I missed everyone's name the first time around. So in my notes, I repeatedly refer to her as the French Jane Miller or FJM to harken back to episode one because she's getting it done. That is the highest of compliments for Anne-Sophie. It really is. The French Jane Miller. French Jane Miller, you're welcome. I loved her scarves. I loved her little Vespa. I loved her red <laughs> lipstick. I mean, Killing it. oh goodness, I I liked her quite a bit. She she really uh, added some through lines to this. I think also there were not as many, um, you know, family members and like they didn't have a lot of right. th- the same amount of third parties in this. So it was really, really. Um, it was good that they had a strong kind of like the reporter giving us the through lines because, you know, there, we have basically one guy from the police 
we had uh, Xavier's friend and then mm-hmm. and the neighbor, and that was it for our third parties. Versus other episodes where we've had a cast of characters. What what was the um, French detective's name? Because I obviously, or chief of police, because I obviously missed his name. Uh, Jean Marc Block. Jean Marc. Oh, okay. Because I I just called him French Columbo. Yeah. That is apt. <laughs> just we're painting you a picture. So uh, to walk it back. So we've given you a bit of an overview of some of the characters. To walk it back, um, you know, this opens with uh, Estelle, who is uh, the neighbors of uh, the family that we're going to be talking about today. And it just is, you know, because, you know, Unsolved Mysteries likes to open up with like a little, a little teaser, a little. That's right. A little taste before we get the opening theme. A little. Amuse bouche, if oh, you will. Oh, ha, ha, ha. oh um, ha, ha, ha. so it's her saying, you know, the house was never closed up. You know, it she never, so she knew something was wrong. The family seemed, you know, normal, but you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Dun dun dun. And then she said it again. They were just a normal family, and she says it, and they show. The picture of the family together, very picturesque, on a beach. And I thought to myself, every one of these children looks like they could model. And one they of them did. They were gorgeous. And then it turns out one of them was an actual model. But I mean, they were just beautiful children, all in, all in their teen years to early adulthood. And she says it again. They were just a normal family. And I thought to myself... Obviously not French neighbor Estelle, because here we are on Unsolved Mysteries, ladies. So buckle up. We're about to find out some stuff. So we're, we're, we're talking about the Dupont de Lyonnais murders uh, that took place in 2011. And again, we are trying our best. Do not at us for murdering the French language. Um, and the, the family is a family of six. We have dad, Xavier, uh, mom, Agnes, or Agne. Mm, um, yes. And then there are four children. Uh, who was Artur at 20, Thomas at 18, Anne at 16, and Benoit at 13. Um, and all and gorgeous, beautiful, apparently talented children. Just really into music, g- doing well at school, going to private Catholic schools. Um, so they paint this picture of a, a beautiful, happy, loving family. And it takes place in Nantes, in France, and which was uh, and the way that it's described to us um, by, by French Shane Miller. By yes, by French Shane Miller is that it's upper middle class. You know, in the center of town, you have this residential area that's really beautiful. You know, it has like those very very classic French balconies where it's like the scroll, yes. the iron scrollwork, and everything. Um, and, and they're in Western France, right? So they're on the Atlantic Ocean. So you can imagine it's just, it looks like everything is very picturesque, beautiful climate, really gorgeous city. Um, they said there's a lot of families, kids being walked to their schools. People go to mass on Sundays. It's apparently a very Catholic area. Um, so scene setting. Here we are. I- idealistic French life. Belle's about to come out and sing a song. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and insult the entire village. Um, <laughs> True. So um, we get to uh, April 11th, where we, I, I think April 11th is the first thing that we have, where um, where Estelle just starts to notice that like it's closed up. Um, the mailbox has a note on it that says "Return all mails, all mail to sender, all mails." Honestly, all all the mail to its sender. <laughs> like we're not, not all here. mails. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
Shutters were closed. She never noticed the house being closed up. Um, and that's that's April 11th. And she's like, this is weird. That's the first day she called the police, April 11th, which at least good on you, neighbor. First time she called. I don't think they did anything, but she called the police on April 11th. So they say like, so she notices on Monday something's weird with the house. Tuesday and Wednesday, there's no change. So then the police roll in um, and they're, they're like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Although I do have a note in here that uh, they make a big deal about how they had to call a locksmith to open the door. And in my notes, it was, well, that must be nice if you live in France and not the U.S., where the police definitely just would have shot their way into the house, <laughs> past, past the lock. And then, like, hand you a bill for, like, yes, you need to fix your own right. door. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they call a locksmith. And so his, this is when we meet French Colombo, Jean-Marc Bloch, who is the retired chief of staff of Paris police. And they say that there's uh, nothing weird. However, however, I would... I would classify this as weird personally Jean Marc but you know whatever um some closets are open and some sheets and duvets are removed at Oregon and I'm like is it typical that you would take all of that with you when you leave but I'd be like this is strange that these blankets are gone um so they conclude they must have left voluntarily they leave whatever and then and I then, believe that's when the letters start to arrive. Deep sigh. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> you know, we watch these shows and you hear about stories. And I'm like, you know, people always end up doing things. And I'm like, you you think you're smart. You think you are so smart. But this, my friend was not a smart move. <laughs> it I mean honestly, it it's what opened like put Pete, like Agnes's family on the trail. So yes. it's like it's real stupid. So uh friends and family start to get these letters ostensibly from Xavier and Ag- Agnes Agne. Um, and and how many pages were these letters? They were not short letters. They were eight pages, friend. Eight Typed. pages. Eight typed pages wheat wheat um wheat yeah typed single space like 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 rantings of a mad person type thing like I I could go on a trip to France and have adventures I wouldn't have eight pages of content (laughs) to tell you of like actual adventures okay Um, and what were the actual contents of these eight pages these letters basically saying uh You won't see us for a long time as we have been recruited by the U.S. government um, in order uh, by the DEA specifically in order to investigate drug rings. So they're going to be under protection and they're going to be, you know, um, investigating this in America. And like, we're gone. We're gone. Because in every interaction I've had with the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, They've asked me, do you know a French family of six with four <laughs> four young children who can come and help us bust up the drug rings that we have in this country? What we really need here is someone from the French nobility to come in and set this straight. And also, isn't the first rule of being a spy or an undercover agent, isn't that like Fight Club? The first rule is you don't talk about it. So people's reactions when they get the, these letters, instead of being like, this is ridiculous and doesn't make sense, which is my first reaction. Apparently, a lot of people get these letters and they go, well, okay, maybe, sure. sure. 
Why not? What? Why would they lie? What? And uh, and honestly, on that tip, uh, if I am a drug dealer um, and the DEA is investigating me, you know what would be super remarkable is if <laughs> this gorgeous family just starts that with French accents. Starts I was going to say, this like, gorgeous French family, you could come just, up with so many good lies. Just like Why we're on vacation, really we bad a, one. We took a last-minute vacation, or I'm in the nobility. I decided to relocate to Switzerland, or which I realize is not as far away from France as it is in the U.S. When I say I'm relocating to Switzerland, you know, reverse course. Canada is a great place. We're gonna try it out for a bit. Yeah, this is where we meet Bruno, um, Bruno, Bruno. Um, of the eyebrows, um, who's and then he actually says. Classic Xavier. Right. Classic. <laughs> I wrote that note too. And this guy, let's just take a few minutes to talk about how great Bruno is. Um, he has long hair. Like very Richard Marks. Yes. The entire time that we see him in different cuts and interviews, he's wearing the same leather jacket with like a fur collar. And he just seems like the perfect caricature of. Uh, a French man sitting in a cafe smoking and drinking coffee all day. Uh-huh. uh-huh and then they uh-huh. show some pictures of him and Xavier back in the 70s. And the hair is even more majestic. So they met uh, back in the 70s in Versailles, uh, which is apparently where both Xavier, Bruno, and Agne grew up. Which makes sense because Xavier is from this line of no- nobles. And apparently there's just a lot of these old aristocratic families that still live in Versailles from back when it was where the palace of Versailles was a hopping place to be for King yep. Louis Fourteenth. And it's a super conservative uh, Catholic area. And so we get the, the, the brief little backstory of they met, they fell in love, um, but Xavier wanted to go travel and go on adventures. So he's like, uh, bye. Well, also their age difference at that time kind of freaked me out a little bit. He said she was 16, he was 20. Maybe it wasn't as big a deal in France. I don't know what the age of consent is there, but that still seems like when you're 16, you're still in high school. Right? E- so, even in France, I think you're still in high school when you're 16. <laughs> so uh, so he goes on adventures. He comes back like a year later, and uh, she has become pregnant by another man. And um, Bruno remarks that he does this noble thing, and he says, let's get married, which is like a Apparently just not done. You don't marry an unwed mother. You don't adopt her son. But he marries her, gives basically bringing her into this noble family, and adopts Artur as his own. Which is which is lovely and wonderful. I did have a moment there where I was maybe screaming at the TV. <laughs> That like should we should we be so congratulatory f- to this man for just doing kind of something that seems like a basic, decent thing to do? And uh, let, yeah, let's not no treat same. him like a saint. Let's not yes. treat him like a saint. But he Bruno was reaping all sorts of praises on him. Like, you don't understand. It just isn't done. And he's just this amazing person for taking him in. And he gave him his name. Were those good things to do? Yes. But I don't think... I'm not ready to nominate him for sainthood after he got married to Agnes. Let's be real. Correct. Um, so, uh, Agnes's family actually sends the weird-ass letter. So, back into the present. Oh, you know, right. or 2011. Present, um, 2011 present day. 
sends a letter to the uh, DA going, this is sus. Like, what is this? Like, look into this. Um, like, this makes no sense. What the hell? Which, good on her family. Um, yeah. Because... Like, since so many other people were just like, okay, that's weird, but, like, why would they lie? Like, I love that her family's like, this is a lie. <laughs> but it, it, that also, yeah, I love that, too. And it also made me think and wonder what the relationship was like with Agnes's family and Xavier. Because Agnes's family's like, this is sus, um, the police return to the house uh, a couple times. It's, it's, it takes them to the sixth visit to actually find anything. So they go back on the 15th, April 15th, um, and they all they notice that. And I'm like, how the hell did you miss this the first time? Um, but the photos are missing from on the walls are like missing from the frames. How creepy was that? That was who takes super creepy. who takes photos out of frames and not just takes a frame off the wall it was so strange it was so creepy and i don't know if that was an actual picture from the house or if it was the reenactment that they showed probably a reenactment but there was something that oh i got goosebumps when they showed that because i was like that is weird and is it like was it did they put the frame back on the wall to like have them not notice since they didn't fucking notice the first time <laughs> Was like, ah, it's just extra effort. Frames. It's just so much extra effort. Why would you do that? Just like, um, oh. But they're still like, this is this is nothing. Uh, the eight. So they go, so that's the fifteenth. They go back on the eighteenth because the, they're getting pressure from Agnes's family. Like st- this is still weird. Like just because you didn't find anything, and so it's just like, are they just like dragging their feet? Like gotta go back to the house. Like I don't. Oh, and you know, how, why does it take this long? Us again, guys, we gotta like, go back. Ooh, why does it take this long to be thorough? Whatever. <sighs> So I don't know what the French cop version of a donut is, but whatever it is, there. <laughs> I guess while we're out, we can go grab a crepe. I don't know. Maybe they. It took till the sixth time for them to send like an annoying rookie who like wants to prove herself or something <laughs> on with them. But like, so the eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth, more visits, still nothing. It was. It's the sixth visit that really where they actually discover why this uh, episode is called The House of Terror. So, you want to dive into what they discover? Ah, so, we find out, they go back the sixth time, and while the police are actually there, there's also a press conference going on, which I thought, that was a strange move at the same time. Why, why are these two things simultaneously going on? But while they're simultaneously going on... Uh, they find something unusual under the terrace in the garden. And they show the picture of them sort of moving the... They had some dog bowls under the terrace, moving them out of the way. And you see that there are some wooden planks put very shallowly. Like, it looked like a trap door. I was like, is that a trap door? But it really was just, like, wood put over a hole. Right. Right, and then there was, like, the smallest bit of dirt over the wood. So they move that, and, of course, they find a bunch of large, black, contractor-grade trash bags with duct tape closing them up. So the DA calls into the press conference and basically halts everything and says, we're, we're delaying the press conference. And, and unfortunately, they find Agnes... Um, and three of the kids in 
basically one hole. So Arthur, Benoit, and and two dogs. Uh, when they're like, it's also the dog, also the dogs, also like- the dogs, and then in a separate grave they find Tomas. So Xavier is the only one who is missing, and. It looks like they were put in there, I hate to say this, with a lot of care because they were wrapped up in the blankets and duvets that had been missing from the beds, French Colombo, and then they had been put into plastic bags and there was a religious icon next to each of the bodies. So a little cross, a little candle... And they were saying, this shows that there was this affectionate bond between the perpetrator and the victims. And again, Xavier is the only one missing, so of course everyone starts to say, where is Xavier? It it cuts then to their family attorney, um, Stefan Goldenstein. And, um, (laughs) okay, this is, I understand that, like, everyone's like, He's a family man. He loves his family. He would never do this. Like, I get that that's your initial reaction when you know somebody. That how, how, like, who could murder um, their wife, all their children, and their two dogs? Um, what the hell? And so, but he actually says he had a bad back. So there's no way he could have buried those bodies under the terrace because he'd have to bend over. I... Again, lost it and started yelling at <laughs> French lawyer Stefan. I was like, are you really giving me the hashtag, this is life over 40 defense? <laughs> that Xavier couldn't have done this because he has a bad back? Like, I'm sure if he could overcome whatever moral code, like, keeps you from killing a person to kill his entire family and, and their dogs, I think he can maybe pop a muscle relaxer and, like... <laughs> bury the body <laughs> and their autopsy showed that all the children um, had sleeping pills in their system um, but Agnes had no drugs but was a slept on a again this is 40 sleep apnea machine which shows that on um, you know the night of like uh, April 3rd into April 4th um, that it stops abruptly at 3 a.m. How horrible is that? I mean, that basically means he went up and pulled the plug on her machine or turned it off, right? Mm-hmm. So that she couldn't breathe anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and so that what they're saying is as they're piecing it together that, like, she must have been the first victim. Um, all of them were shot with two bullets to the head from a twenty-two rifle. Um, and they're like, it's strange that the neighbors didn't hear the gunshots. And I literally have in my notes right next to this, have you ever heard of a silencer? And then we get to that well, later. Well, no, because they're in France. <laughs> um, and they're saying that this is a very methodical execution. It's like, Well, yeah, you know, a rifle? A rifle? So they, so they say the neighbors didn't hear the gunshots. And um, very strangely, there's no they could find no blood in any of the rooms and no prints. Um, they don't suggest at that point that they were killed elsewhere. Um, so it just means that, like, whoever did it cleaned up really, really well, um, I guess. Uh, which is, for all of that, Xavier is very sloppy with a lot of this. I feel like suddenly he's criminal mastermind and can clean up. Right? But also, I mean, it was just crazy. They showed them dusting 
on the duct tape. There are, there are no prints on the bags on the duct tape. There's no blood anywhere in the house, which if anyone has children out there, come on, in a house with four kids, there's not a drop of blood anywhere. Are you joking? By the way, <laughs> uh, youngest daughter lost slash pulled a loose tooth uh, Friday night. And... Even with a tiny little loose tooth, guess how much blood there is. I mean, I say this all the time. If somebody came in to illuminate all this house, if God forbid something happened, they would find blood in some really weird places because that's what kids do. So you tell me there were four kids in this house, two adults and two dogs, and there's not a drop of blood anywhere. That should have set off alarm bells with people. But again, they were just like, well, no, he must be this evil genius <laughs> instead. Uh. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> But thankfully, they decide, despite, you know, the fact that he couldn't possibly have bent over in order to do this, um, they decide that they're going to dig into dig into Xavier. And that's when we get the backstory of maybe it's not cliche, but it just it's just one of those things where I'm just like, this sounds like something you hear a thousand times. Family that supposedly has a ton of money actually has no money. You know, the father's hiding it from everybody. And then at that point, I'm just like. I guess I didn't understand what Xavier did. Like, they say he's, you know, noble quote or whatever. And quote-unquote, a businessman. But, like, what type of... Right? And, like, and, they like, never Agnes, get like, into the details, right? right? Like, and Agnes teaches at a school... Like, at school, like, it's just... So, she's working. <sighs> right. And, like, the kids are all in college and stuff. So, there was actually... There was a really similar case that I just thought about now, and I wish I had thought about it before we started recording so I could have gotten the details. But in the... I want to say late 60s or 70s, there was a family in upstate New York who it was very similar situation. It was a guy married three or four kids. Mom lived with them. They bought this mansion. Same situation. He had lost his job running out of money. He didn't want to, in theory, lose his standing in the community. So he did something really similar, killed his entire family, left them in sleeping bags, but like left them in the house, in the quote unquote ballroom that they had in this house and um, just took off. And because, because they never that's caught the him. Solution. You don't want to they, lose your standing, but like, let's go ahead and murder a bunch of well, people. Well, yeah, because I just can't. I just can't deal with them knowing that I couldn't take care of them. So I'm just gonna kill everybody and peace out and go live the rest of my life. I don't know, somewhere else. Masculinity is so toxic. Oh my! Thank God. you, thank you. I had that same thought thing watching this as well. But yeah, it was just awful. So they dig into Xavier and they're like, "Oh my God." His hair is full of secrets. So um, for, that's when we learned that they tried to relocate to Florida in 2000. And and literally we get no details except that it was unsuccessful. And so if Zave is a businessman and he has all these businesses that are whatever and none of them are real or successful, like I guess they went there with no income and then we're all like, oops, we're in Florida. And then they left. <laughs> Okay, but I would just imagine that the most expensive part of that move would be actually getting to Florida with a family of six. It what what business what did they have in Florida? And then Florida's got to be a cheaper place to live than I don't know France. Also, I, I mean I wouldn't blame them if they'd been like they moved to Florida. They thought it was going to be like Disneyland. Turned out to not be like that. But no, it was just like oh the business didn't work out, and so they had a quote-unquote failed American dream. Like, I don't know if it was really uh, that well thought out of a plan, actually. And like you'd think, 
well, if you want to make this real, like have the dad go first, establish, yes. like find something, establish it, and then like bring all the kids over. Whatever, man. Um, Xavier is clearly not a criminal mastermind. So um, the fa- the failed relocation takes all their money because they move all over there. They're there for like a year and then they all move back. Um, and also Xavier is saying that he's making all these successful businesses, but none of them are actually, according to Jean-Marc, all of the, none of them are really successful. And all this is really coming to a head. But like the kids don't know. I assume Agnes didn't know. Um, and then so that's from like 2000 to the, the present of 2011. And in 2011, in January, Xavier's father dies. He goes to like clean up the apartment um, where his father lived and is like clearly looking, um, according to uh, Zave's father, Hubert, his neighbor, who's Michael. Um, he's looking for the, his dad's ring. He's looking to see if money was set aside. And there's just, there's nothing. There's no inheritance. Like, there's nothing. Like, the father dying is not going to save the day with any right. like secret money. And he was renting the apartment. So it's not like they were getting any real estate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um there's so the only thing that uh Zavier does find is a rifle would it happen to be a 22 caliber rifle uh yes it would yes it would just like the ones that were used in the murder of his family uh coincidentally yes that's and, so strange and so michael says the last time he sees xavier he's leaving with the rifle and like you know he's done cleaning up this apartment and he has a dark look in his eyes which okay because it's like usually he's smiley and nice and happy and like now he's got this dark look in his eyes uh so that's in january cut to february xavier gets his firearm license and even takes his son's shooting um and asks his instructor about a silencer. How interesting. Um, and then in March, he buys a silencer. With all the money he doesn't have? Clearly, at the time, this is not raising any red flags. Although, for me, I'm just like, why Why do you need a silencer, my dude? Um, but when you look back, it's like, at this point, if you have any doubt about it being Xavier, like... So that was in March, So and the murders happened April 4th, um, except for Thomas, who was killed at a different time. Um, so on sun- so it's the murders happened between Sunday and Monday, like overnight. So um, Thomas had to go back to school, and Zavier's like, sure, man. So Thomas is gone. He kills Agnes and the kids Sunday night. On Tuesday, he tells Thomas, you need to come home. Your mother's uh, been in a bike accident. Uh, she's in a coma. It's very serious. You need to come home. Um, and I assume they know this because I think probably like Tomali like, told friends like, oh shit, I got to go home. Um, so Tuesday uh, night, Tomal comes home. Uh, he texts a friend at midnight and it's never heard from again because he's drugged and killed that evening. Um, so that's on the 4th and the bodies are found on the 21st. So that's the amount of time Xavier had once he had done the deed to peace out and get on the road. And thoroughly clean the house and take all, I guess, take all the pictures down from the frames and then put the frames back up on the walls, I guess. Did you catch the theory about why he, he besides the fact that he was at school, about why he would have waited to kill Tamar. And was it was it Amory that suggested this? I think um, French Jane Miller. Um, I was going to say excuse me, French Jane Miller, yes. <laughs> Call her by her name. Um, <laughs> no, her name. 
so the the suggestion is like so why did he let Tomas go back to school at all like what like right did he think that that would like spark uh some suspicion like things have to be normal um and then they think maybe uh he had some hesitation killing Tomas because that would be the end of his line Artur's older but is not his biological son even so- though he was such a great person for adopting him and he needs a hero clap for giving him his last name he's not his quote unquote real son as an adopted is, person i give that so many middle fingers <laughs> i really thought you were gonna you were gonna talk about that more which is why Woo! i brought it up but also i was like all right um and so they were making a big deal about how he was probably thinking this is the end of my noble noble of noblest bloodlines i don't know like i need a chalice when i say that or something well you killed benoit too motherfucker yeah yeah and and your daughter and 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 the dogs um and the dogs the 21st the bodies are found the 22nd they find xavier's car um and they start to piece together and so now knowing everything he's a suspect and everything that's when they start to piece together his week they look at you know financial records things like that and they piece together what he like his timeline so being murders of almost everybody on the fourth murdering tomas on the fifth spending the entire next week in the house and being seen by neighbors yeah okay i had so many questions about this so neighbors saw him but his kids weren't in school. Agnes wasn't at work for a week. Did that not raise questions with the school or? Maybe they got a letter. Maybe they got a letter <laughs> about the DEA as well. Maybe they did get a letter and they were like, well, maybe. Or maybe if they called, he'd be like, they're here, they're sick. You know, and like he's got this trustworthy persona. Yeah. It's just something else I wish they had talked about because I feel like not showing up to school or work for a week should have set off some red flags before it was the neighbor who had to start calling the bugging the police about the fact that their windows were closed. Right. So he this week like also buys him time to one clean the house, but also right. um, the way they phrase it is just like what he did. Like he's not a criminal mastermind, but clearly this is not a familicide thing where he's going to um, kill his family and then kill himself. Because the way he has set this up, the way he hid the bodies, the way that he was very methodical about all this, like, there was no way anyone was going to find the bodies quickly. So it's buying him all of this time to just get out of Dodge. So he spends the week in the house cleaning. He leaves on the 10th. And he's not hiding. He's using his bank card as he goes around at hotels, at restaurants. What the hell? He's driving his own car with his own license plate that's caught on um, cameras. Oh, yeah, he I don't got know caught if by a speeding a, camera. <laughs> yeah. On camera, using the ATM to pull out cash out of his own account. I mean, he obviously just didn't care. He did not care if he was caught. And, I mean, he wasn't caught. But also, he was just being very blatant about where he was, when he was. And like just and like and not putting as much distance between him and Nantes as possible. It was like a leisurely, like going around the coast, like visiting other, like towns where they'd been before. And I think Anne Maurice uh French A. Miller says, um, you know, you could look at it as like taking a tour of like the happier times. 
Um, but yes. just, he just goes all the way down, like, uh, down the coast and kind of, um, you know, and, and I'm sure he's thinking to himself, he has all this time because he has so smartly hid the bodies and done what he's done. Like, no one's found the bodies yet. He can take his time. And then we get to um, when they find his car and they see him leaving this hotel on the camera um, holding a bag that they think has the gun in it based on the shape of it. And he's not seen again. It seemed like they had a very hard time describing this bag, but it it was basically like a garment bag. Yeah. Right? Like you would put a suit on back in the days when he used to fly. If you had some big fancy meeting, you put your suit in the garment bag and take it with you on the airplane, except it just had a rifle in it. That's what it looked like on the feed. And then the, right. like, and then that like the gun was also in it and maybe like at the bottom, like causing it to like have a like a gun shape towards the bottom. Right. Um, but yeah. So that's what it looked like. That and then he and he just took off into uh, the the you know the countryside, and there's a huge search for him, and it's not successful. And people think that he went out there and he killed himself. He like took his farewell tour to where he is happiest that's with his family right. and killed himself with his gigantic rifle. And he's he's just out there, even though they couldn't find him. And then we cut to Anne Marie, who is like, he fooled everyone. He got away with it. Like this is stupid. And she's the one that says like. If he wanted to be, if he was just going to kill himself, he wouldn't have done what he'd done to in order to buy himself all that time. That's right. And French Columbo was also remarking like, yeah, he could have gone into the quote unquote back country to go kill himself, but we don't know. There, We haven't found his body, so, but we also haven't found any other cars that he rented, which maybe at that point he wised up a little bit and wouldn't put his actual name there. We didn't find any train tickets in his name, so so who knows? And you're at this really interesting juncture in the south of France because you're close to so many other areas. Like, you're pretty close to Spain. You're pretty close to the ocean where you could get on a... They, French J. Miller was saying you could rent a boat or you could get on a cargo ship. You could... Um, take a train and go to Croatia. You could go to Italy. You could, I think Bruno was saying, you could go to Tangiers. You know, you're in North Africa, and from there you can get a flight and go wherever. You could go to Latin America, because apparently he was not only bilingual with French and English, he was very proficient in Spanish. So he could have gone a lot of different places and had that uh, unique characteristic of not standing out in any particular <laughs> attribute. He is average height, average size, brown hair. He can grow a beard. He can shave. He can shave his head. He can grow his hair out. You know, and so he he doesn't look there, there there's no one like pigeonhole thing to say that he yeah. is going to stand out from a crowd. Except I will note he was not spending all the money he didn't have on his teeth. That's, That's for true. Sure. That's true. He had that think, 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 like that weird uh-huh. kind of snaggletooth situation happening. Yes, he did. Um, and I love that the the it's really hard to find him because he's so basic. I love that. That's. Uh, <laughs> I think another way though that they really could find him, he probably always have that stupid cigarette in his fingers, since he had one in every single photo, holding it in the most French way imaginable in my head. So. French Jane Miller, French Colombo, uh, best friend Bruno, they all think that he got a- he left and got away with it. Um, they did have that massive search for him in the countryside. Although, I thought it was interesting, though, because when I just like say French countryside, 
that's not what I'm thinking of, but it almost had that look because you're in the south of France. It was almost like the U.S. Southwest where it was um, kind of scrubland and some yeah. mountains and scrub and... They couldn't find anything. Of course, that doesn't mean that he's not out there, but you would at least think there are some things that are going to deteriorate, but I would also think that if he went out there with a rifle, you would, at a minimum, find the rifle, which right. nobody did. Um, and then there have been some recent site, potential sightings and updates, although nothing has panned out. Would you like to hear about some of those that I found? I would love to hear about those. In 2015, a journalist in Nantes received a photograph of Xavier and the boys with a note on the back from someone who was claiming to be Xavier and all it said was I'm still alive I know what why would he send that (laughs) so that was in 2015 and there was also an incident where someone saw a monk at a monastery that they were really convinced was Xavier but they apparently did a police raid, which I would have loved to have seen a police raid at a monastery. It wasn't him. And then in, when was it? October of 2019, they thought a man coming off an airplane at the airport in Glasgow was Xavier. And so they detained him and actually did a DNA test until they confirmed it was not him. So everyone was very certain, just based off of the man's apparently basic looks (laughs) this was him which makes me feel bad for this guy but um so the theories and investigations into his whereabouts are still very active and there's still a lot of people looking for him and keeping an eye out for him we can only hope that they find him he decides to i mean he deserves to be punished for killing all of those people and i i really want to not that there's any good justification. There is not. But I really want to hear him explain, you know, well, I had no money and I thought that these people that I loved so much should die instead of me feeling any sort of shame. Right? Like, I, 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 I just have, I'm just so curious. I just want to know. I want to, I want to hear the justification before he rots in prison. You know what I mean? Like, I just... right. But Ugh. apparently he's okay feeling the shame of having killed his family and his two dogs and taken off well, to go I do mean, whatever. Is it shame then or is it he did them the favor of saving them from knowing? And like and then but he's allowed to go live and right. like have another life. So yeah, so that is the tale of the House of Terror. Um very sad. I really very wanted sad. to be found and punished. I mean, there were these four kids who looked... I mean, first of all, they had their entire lives ahead of them. They all seemed very active and engaged in what they were doing at that point in time in their lives. And I think Bruno said it best that he he stole their futures from them. And how can he still wake up every day and look in the mirror and brush his teeth and shave and knowing that he's done this? And also, what did Agnes ever do to Yeah, I just, I would re, except, you know, bear his children. I mean, I would just re, I'm with you. I really, really want to hear about what his strange internal justification was for right. all like, of this. Like, was it a psychotic break? Like, again, nothing justifies anything, but like, what happened in there? I mean, for that I too. really, I really, it's hard. This is almost like one of those 
situations where someone is doing things that are so dumb and are they really smart or is there something wrong with them? It's kind of like when people start making the arguments that, you know, Trump's politics are playing chess on a 3D chess game, you know, a strategy. And I'm like, is he or is he just not that bright? Right. Because he's doing these things. You're like, who? Who sends an eight-page letter about how you've been recruited to be a spy? But keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone, even though I'm sending this through the post. And anyone could intercept this letter. But shh. To try and bring this back on on a on a different note, but keeping it in the theme of, of France. La France. Oui, oui. Um, so I mentioned I did take French in high school. And, yes. um so I, I, it's it's an American thing. I feel like that when you take a foreign language, you you take a name, like they give you like a like a French <laughs> name or a Spanish name or whatever in class. Oh, oui, and oui. Um, so they tried to assign me a name, and uh, so first they went with Kathleen because Katie, and I was like, no, thank you. And then um, they went with Anne because that's my middle name. And I was like, no, thank you. Um, and then I, they're like, okay, here's the list. You have to pick. And you don't get to pick like a thousand times. You pick one. And I was like, okay. I'm looking at this list. And one of the first names on it uh, is spelled A-U-R-O-R-E. So Aurora. Okay. It looks like Aurora from Sleeping Beauty, but with uh-huh. an E on the end. Instead. And I'm like, that's the one. I love it. Um, so I pick it. And I really should have asked my French teacher to say it before I picked it because she was this like battle axe of a woman who had like like this thick 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 accent um and like she was she taught both Spanish and French at my high school and what no kind matter, of an accent did she have was she French or was she Spanish I think I think French was like her stronger language okay but what at whichever class she was teaching it was almost like she was like over and like over enunciating everything she said because she's trying to get these okay in gotcha. grades to like yes pronounce things correctly and so when she said this name it was oh, and no. it was like her clearing her throat sorry listeners every single time she called on me and you know I was a little grade grabbing bitch and I raised my hand all the time so I heard it all the time and I was just like this was the worst decision and I had it all three years so I never got to change it. Wow. So can I just call you Aurora from now on? So Madam Kissinger was very Madam Kissinger. Madam Kissinger. I mean she was great for sure. I learned a ton um, and I like when I, I went to uh, to Paris uh, four years ago or so, um, I still remember a decent amount of high school French. There you go. Um, that, you know, could get around pretty easily. I mean, all the French people I spoke to would say no, no, and would just speak English to me. So <laughs> my, my accent might not be so great. Um, and not in a mean way, uh, just in a this is you're struggling let me help you i speak much better english than you speak french um but Very yeah kind. so that's that's my tale my, okay my. well I've, I've got a good one about french names so uh i took french in high school and college and one time super husband and i i'm trying to remember if we were still dating or if we were married i think we we're still dating at that point um he was being very sweet, and for Valentine's Day, 
got us tickets at the Kennedy Center to go see this play that was in French that was about the relationship, the, the romance between these two characters, John and Catherine. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so nice. You can get all dressed up and go out for date night. And we get there. Yes, it was a play. Um, I'll just say very, very French in many ways. So number one, uh, very tragic tale, right? It, it didn't end up well between the two main characters. Um, there was not a lot of clothing in the play. It was there was a lot of nudity, a uh-huh. uh-huh, on stage, and most of the dialogue between the characters, while yes, in French, was them calling each other's names very dramatically. Jean. In French, Catherine, <laughs> Jean, Catherine, and yes. So just imagine that with lots of nudity, and it went on for I want to say three hours. Oh Jesus! I'm just imagining <laughs> Super Husband glancing over at you and being like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> There were a lot of those, gl- and also I, at some point I just started cracking up in the middle of it too. It was one of those things where at intermission it was like, "Do we stay? Do we go?" I think this is culture, so we should probably stay. But at the same time, I don't want to buy these like thirteen dollars glasses of wine from the little reception kiosk at the Kennedy Center to make it worthwhile. But also, we paid for the tickets, so we should probably stay. <laughs> I will note there were also some uh, children in the audience that some parents had brought, also not really realizing what kind of a a play this was and hoping to expose their children to some culture. That is excellent. It was Uh, great. So yeah, so I have one final tale. This is related to nothing, but I did want to share a personal family mystery um, from from my family. Um, So uh, when my father's father past and um my father and his siblings were helping my grandmother you know go through his stuff and you know help clean out the house that kind of thing uh they found a set of bright orange uh pajamas like think very like just basic like the most 50s ish you know color yeah i mean when i say bright orange like pile on orange and I was very young when he passed, so my impression of him was that he was just this gruff dude. So the pylon orange pajamas like were really quite whimsical, and I couldn't really imagine sure. my grandfather wearing them, but okay. So what we started to do, and I don't know who started it, and I don't think anyone in the family does, because we all talk about this from time to time. Uh, we started to hide the orange pajamas um, <laughs> in other homes. So, like, whenever we would go over I for, like, like Thanksgiving or whatever, we would somehow hide the orange pajamas in another person's home. And these, we started to get more and more creative as the years went on and, like, the kids really got into it and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, there was once that they, it spent a couple years in... Um, my family's uh so we had like you know the you know when you have the outside fridge and it's full of soda um it spent a couple years in our outside fridge uh in a (laughs) years years in a um a welch's popsicle box 
that whoever had left it there had taped up and then put in the freezer behind all of our actual popsicles. And so me... Amazing deception. Being a little rule follower was like, that must be taped because I'm not allowed to have them. And we just all kept ignoring them. And then I remember being like, can I have these popsicles? And my parents being like, what popsicles? And so like we opened it and then it's orange pajamas that were quite cold and had been there for quite some time. Um, another time my brother took a uh, orange crush bottle, cut the bottom out, stuffed the orange pajamas in it, put the bottle nice. bottom back on and it like like and you know you go to the party fridge at someone's house and you put it with all the soda and it takes uh-huh. a while to notice sure um my favorite one is we knew one branch of my family was on vacation so we made the orange pajamas we stuffed them and made them into a little dummy and gave them a little balloon <laughs> for a head and sat it they had a little bench like a cute little bench on their uh, front porch and we had them sitting there um waiting for them when when they got home from vacation um we're told that uh the balloon didn't survive so they just had a weird headless man sitting on their uh, their front porch. Um, so the mystery is, we don't know where these pajamas are. They have been hidden at some point where no one has found them. And we think that they're gone forever. Like, we've sat down as a family and broke the code of no one say, like, who left it or who said it. And we've tried to trace it. And we, But, like, since, you know, you never know... I mean, they spent years in our fridge once, like, so... Exactly. We have no idea really when they dropped off the map. We can't find them. We tried to recapture the magic after um, my grandma... This is makes me sound like uh, my family is very uncaring. We love our grandparents. But after my grandmother passed, she had these um, truly hilarious pajamas that were, like, pastel purple with so much lace appliqued not like sexy lace but like demure i'm an old lady lace you know it and, went without um, saying that it wasn't sexy lace but thank you for you're welcome thank you for my, that you know my, my grandma wasn't sleeping in fenty you know so uh <laughs> we tried to hide the purple pajamas and it just was it was it was a facsimile it wasn't the same so we have just, you we have you considered this them. yes i'm sure they're still around and the person who last hid them has just forgotten Oh, for sure. passage of time. Have you just put it out into the universe that, you, you know, you are going to find these orange pajamas? I, I mean, think the intention should. or just yeah. an announcing it to, like, the family, like... Both. I think you need to put that intention out into the universe. And okay. then... So, go on. We're waiting. Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm going to find these orange pajamas. How about universe you need to show katie these orange pajamas where are they i would like to manifest them yes Um, if i only get to manifest one thing i would like to manifest a a boyfriend first but second on the list wow is orange pajamas um and then like we don't even know because people have moved so much that we're like were they just sure or like was like one of like the crappy branches of the family where they like I don't want to do this and they threw them away. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure they're just in a box for when somebody moved and they forgot about them and they're like in the back closet until we, now. We, right, and we until now because they're on their way to me currently. That's right. Because um, we very much want to find them because now that all of us are all the kids are grown, there's so many more houses to hide them in, and sure. we can like bring the new generation of like my cousin's kids like in on it because it was always so much fun so that's the personal family mystery of we cannot find the orange pajamas i like it 
Um, so first yeah. manifestation, boyfriend. Second, boyfriend. orange pajamas. I fully support this. Thank you. And not sure. just any orange pajamas. Because we, we've thought, like, maybe we should just buy some. It's got to be our, Those. our yes. dead grandfather's orange yes. I'm I'm telling the universe now that universe, you need to manifest Katie's grandfather's orange pajamas. <laughs> Ooh, let's do it, universe. Let's get it's this gonna together. Happen. I bet the next um, time we record, you're going to be like, guess what happened? I will trade that in for a good election. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. I, I think that's a little more important. But okay. if, if, I, if I only have enough power to manifest low-level magic, okay. I would love the orange pajamas. Well, we're going to assume you have the power to manifest all sorts of magic. So, until November 5th, I think first is good election. Yeah. Then boyfriend, then orange pajamas. I, I like this. I like okay. this priority. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Okay, and good. And you know, I don't need no man, but, like, I really no. just want someone to help me hey, around sisters, the house. Sisters are doing it for themselves these days. Yeah, Haven't man. you heard? Um, so that will do it for us. Uh, thank you for, listeners, thank you for uh, enjoying the t- House of Terror recap with us well, and I, our I own personal mysteries. I don't know if anybody mysteries. really enjoyed that one, I mean, but I mean... For certain levels of enjoy, yes. our commentary, um, there we our, go. Our, our stories à la française, oui, oui. and, and uh, my own personal family mystery. Um, Love it. You can find us at Wine Times Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can email us at gmail uh, winetimespod at gmail dot com. Get in Drop touch with us. Online. Let us know. Let us know your mysteries. You know, maybe we'll share oh, that uh, your good? own personal listener mysteries. Also, um, tell us what wine you like to drink while you are talking about those that's mysteries. True. That's true. We're recording er- uh, early today for me. That's right. So uh, I, I do I do not have wine time i'm not having a wine times mysteries i'm just having a mysteries but um well i will tell you about the the hashtag wink wine i had when i was watching this Ooh, uh-huh. episode i saved my french bottle of wink wine which was l'atelier du sud a 2019 mm-hmm. van de france so it was lovely i am looking forward to finishing the bottle it was not as pretty a bottle as the prismas that we talked about last time but it's still good by the way, I reordered Christmas. I got another one in my last Wink Wine box because it was so good. Oh, I'm so jealous. Um, thanks, listeners. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. They need to pop their own bottles and come join us. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. So um, next time. Pop a bottle. Come join us. 